Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to Starseed Radio Academy, empowering Starseed to better serve the planet. Welcome to Starseed Radio Academy. It's Tuesday, July 11th, 2023, and I'm your host, Ariel Taylor, with my co-hosts, Lavendar and Anastasia. We are very pleased to introduce our distinguished guest this evening, Susan Miller. She is an internationally known astrologer, author, columnist, entrepreneur, publisher, and pioneer of the Internet. She is the founder and editor of astrologyzone.com, created in 1995. Her site is considered an authority in the field of Western astrology and is read avidly by 13 million unique readers. Her audience loves Susan's warmth and compassionate philosophical style, as well as her accurate, comprehensive, and insightful reporting of current planetary trends. She is recognized worldwide for her astrological writings outside the box into areas of business, technology, lifestyle, culture, and the economy. Susan created two award-winning apps, Astrology Zone Horoscopes and Moonlight Phases, which are both available on the Apple App Store and Google Play. She is the author of 17 astrology books, as well as the popular The Year Ahead Astrology Calendar series, which she self-publishes, and have become collectibles. Susan also writes monthly columns for Vogue Japan, Vogue China, W South Korea, and Amica Italy. Her latest book, The Next 200 Years, is available on Amazon's Kindle and BookBaby.com, where Susan discusses the critical conjunction of Jupiter and Saturn that occurred in December of 2020 and major breakthroughs and trends that will radically change life as we know it in the decades to come. And at the top of the show, it's Anastasia's Starseed News, bringing topics of interest and hope to starseeds. And we would like to thank uh, Kathy and Fiona for uh, producing with the switchboard this evening. And remember, if you want to show your support of our show, just click follow on our page here. Our main website is starseedhotline.com. The Stage 1 Starseed Confirmations are based on Lavendar's Discovery of Star Markings and Your Natal Astrological Chart, and the Stage 2 session is a one-on-one Zoom session. And remember, if you have a birthday coming up, you're going to get a window of 10 hours of great manifestation power. You can find out exactly when that happens by requesting your solar return timing. And order that about a week or two before your birthday. But if you want a reading of that chart, please order it at least two months before your birthday. So first up tonight, we have, uh, let me get the screen resized, uh, we have Anastasia and her wonderful Starseed News. <laughs> Hello, Ariel. Good evening, everyone. Great to be with you on this beautiful summer evening. We have some fun stories tonight. I'm going to have a good guest when the stories are done, so it's a good, good night. Well, this is a story. This is one of my favorite stories in all that I've reported, honestly. Um, for one thing, I saw this man's picture and just, I mean, 
what a kind face. So let me let me tell you the story. It's about a man who's on a mission to complete 143 acts of kindness in 40 days. This is a story about a man in Cincinnati who has embarked on a mission, as I've said, an amazing mission, just think about it, to carry out this 143 acts of kindness, giving himself 40 days to do so. It started June 1st. The man's last name is Bonecutter. He completed his first act of kindness, and since then he's been cutting grass at vacant homes and businesses, picking up trash, and handing out free food and snacks. So a local news station met this man and uh, gave us this report. Um, uh, One of his first projects was a median triangle that had about a foot and a half tall of grass, a foot and a half of tall grass, and was just full of garbage and a bush that had been run over by cars a bunch of times. And the man thought, how can I make this better? So he went and cut the bush down. And he said when he kept driving by it, nobody ever cut the grass. And nobody. So he said, well, I guess I better do it. So he decided to cut the grass in the media. And uh, just a few days ago, he raised money for a pe- for pediatric brain tumor research. And then he ended his day by helping a, an elderly man in the rain. He was driving down the street. It was pouring down rain. And there was this elderly gentleman walking with a walker. So he pulled his car over. He said, I have the opportunity to take you to the store and I'll take you home. And so that's another way that he did it. Now, this guy is giving all of us examples on the difference that we can make. When you really stop and think about it, just look around you. I mean, truly, if we just get our minds off of ourselves for just 10 seconds, we can find all kinds of beautiful things to do. Well, anyway, why did he pick 143 acts of kindness? What's that all about? Well, we're starseed people. We're interested in numbers. This is interesting. I would have never guessed this. Uh In this man's vernacular, the number 143 holds a special meaning because it is about Mr. Rogers from the Mr. Rogers children's television shows who was one of this man's early heroes. Remember Mr. Rogers, those of you that are old enough? Well, Mr. Rogers would say, I love you. And the number 143 was used by Mr. Rogers. It's a code word for I love you code numbers for I love you, because each number represents a number of letters in each word. I, one one uh, letter, love, four letters, you, three letters. I love you, one, four, three, 143. He said the whole idea is to be out here spreading 143 random acts of kindness, but what I'm really trying to do is spreading love and kindness throughout the whole community. I want to inspire other people to also say, yes, I want to do this too. And he said it could be a ripple effect. It will change the world. It could. It could help. He said there's enough negativity. So let's start some positive ripples and see how far it can go. I like that. Well, my hat's off to you, Mr. Bonecutter, and bless you on your journey. And may we all take a lesson from you. And I did, reading this. I mean, honestly, so... We just ditch the passivity and get rid of the passiveness and begin to just take small steps to make the world better. You know, just the fact that he got media coverage for this and it's shared with people now here listening to Starseed whenever, however they pick up the show, wherever they are. Uh, talk about spreading the message, and I think it will make a difference. So, Now, we have another story. It's just amazing. It's out of California, northern California. 
a bald eagle was seen in Northern California bringing a baby red-tailed hawk back to her nest where her eaglet, her baby eagle, was waiting. And this goes against nature. Many people assumed the baby hawk would be lunch for the eaglet, that the mother uh, eagle was bringing the baby hawk back for her baby to eat, as they do, bring things back, mice and snakes and whatever, for the babies to consume. It was instead tended to by the mother eagle as if it were its own. A a photographer, beautiful photography and videos, have captured this incredible moment and began making weekly trips to the nest. Her videos and her photographs show how the bald eagles appear to be feeding and caring for the hawklet, along with their own eaglet. Now, the eagle and the hawk babies seem to be developing a sibling-type bond, unheard of in nature, very rare, it's similar to that between baby eagles and their eaglet siblings. Uh, British Columbia-based eagle biologist David Hancock has been studying this case very closely. Naturally, he would. He documented only three other occurrences of this type of phenomena. When an eagle mistakes prey for its own young, then nurtures and feeds it instead of eating it. He said this, however even though mother and uh, father eagles will uh, nurture and feed something, you know, instead of eating it, almost never has there been a sibling bond in the nest between the eaglets and the other infant animals, birds, that the eagles have brought back, which is rare enough, by the way. Wow. Uh, So they've captured another incredible shot just uh, a couple weeks ago. The hawklet appeared to fall from the nest, but it was rescued by the eagle mother, who carried it back to the nest and saved its life. Oh. So, man, you know, eagles and hawks getting along together, <laughs> it's a good sign. It shows what's possible. That's a beautiful story, and it's beautiful. You get a chance to check that out on the Internet if you're into eagles and hawks. Check it out. Northern California, baby red-tailed hawk saved by eagle mother. Check it out. Uh, here's a story, you know, and if, if you're a decent person, you're not good. I, teenagers read a story like this, and they probably hoot about it. Remember the old TV ad, Help, I've fallen, and I can't get up? Yeah. In those days, young people were just merciless about this. It was always a standing joke with people, but it's really not funny at all. Well, here's a story about an elderly woman who got stuck in a window. And uh, it's really uh, quite the story. She's an adorable older woman. She's only 78, only. But she's had hip replacement surgery, and she's had some joint problems. And she locked herself out of her house and uh, as she couldn't get in. And it was early morning, just before dawn. I don't know how that happened anyway. The sun, probably the sun had come up. It was dawn, but that was all really early. And so she broke a window and tried to climb into her house. And it was a ground floor window. It wasn't that far off the ground, but she got in wedged in just enough and got stuck. And she hung hung there for actually five hours. Oh, my gosh. She started to get desperate. Um, She was really in a precarious situation. Um, She was just desperate. Um, With her hip surgery and all that, she couldn't move her legs. She couldn't go forward and she couldn't go back. And nobody could hear her and she thought her time was running out. She said, I was asking God, oh, please, this is not the way I want to be found. And just when it seemed that 
hope was lost because her voice was getting weaker. She couldn't yell very loud. This is another amazing story. Out of the corner of her eye, she couldn't turn very far, obviously. I mean, her head was in the house and her body was hanging outside. She managed to see, or perhaps psychically saw, I have to wonder, the blinking orange light on top of this man's car. Well, this was Jose, the newspaper delivery man. And he was on his normal paper route when he heard screaming and he saw this dear woman stuck in the window. She said, I don't know how I screamed. She said, all of a sudden, when I couldn't find my voice for all those hours, my voice was deafening. Some spiritual thing gave her a boost. She, she said she, she screamed so loud and she was completely out of energy. She was practically unconscious. And then she just was able to carry on and he heard her. Well, he found her. He was scared. He heard the screaming. He jumped out of his car and looked around. And then, sure enough, there was a lady hanging out of a window. So he called 911, and they came and got her free. But now this man, the newspaper delivery man, and this woman are dear friends. She said, uh, he said, I'm touched because I care for these people in this park. It's an old person's park. They're like my family, and they're retired, and I try to watch out for them. And she said... I do believe in angels, and people are put in a place for that time, and that that night and morning was my time to be helped, and it was Jose that helped me. Uh, so, I mean, that's just one of those, I mean, you know, uh, spiritual intervention is a real thing, and there's a case of one. And there's a case of a human being being receptive to, really, to spirit. I mean, this is all just came together just right to save this woman's life. And uh, if I learn anything from that, it's not to lock myself out of my house. <laughs> so, but it, it's a it's a beautiful story, and it's really sweet to see. I mean, ah, oh boy, all the world needs is some more love. Now, here's a story about a man who's very successful, and what he did with his money. But I have to tell you, I had to look this up because it's not in dollars. This is a, a Korean. And Korean has their money uh, nomination is a is a won, and so uh, I looked up the value of of a one won per per dollar, and so I'm going to just keep that in mind as this unfolds, and I give you these figures. This very wealthy Korean businessman gave gives has given recently seventy thousand dollars to each household in his hometown. Seventy thousand dollars which is over 90 million won to every household in his hometown. I can't say the name, but it's in uh, South Korea. And $1 equals 1,400 won, one, one U.S. dollar. And he gave him $70,000, 90 million won, which is a heck of a lot of money to people that live in South Korea. Right. Um, now, this man is an 82-year-old guy who's a founder of a property development company called, believe it or not, you guys, I heard of this. It's called Boo Young Group. Boo Young Group. I'm familiar with that name. And he said he wanted to express his thanks for all of the support of his villagers in his hometown. So 280 households were wired cash, ranging from a minimum of 26 million won to a maximum of 90 million won after tax deductions, after tax deductions. The amount, of course, varied depending on the number of years the households resided in the village. Now, we are told that the chairman, this rich man, didn't intend for this to be publicly disclosed. 
He didn't want any fame for it. His sole purpose was to express gratitude to those who have preserved his hometown throughout the years. Well, he also donated gifts, books, and other items worth a total of 240 billion won to his hometown. Now, this chairman of this company, big, rich company, came from humble beginnings. He was born in 1941 to a poor family in that little town, that village. He eventually moved to uh, uh, Seoul, Seoul, <laughs> sorry, and uh, he went to university and. Uh, founded this construction company and started dealing in property, and today he has a net worth of 20 trillion won, which is $15 billion. So, wow. Now, 250, 280 households received uh, a fortune from this man who was showing his appreciation. That's what this world needs is more billionaires that are generous. <laughs> well, yeah, you pay it forward. And more people who have love to share, yes. And lastly, how are we doing on time? We've got just a few more minutes. Here's another great story. Now, I wish I could – I want a movie projector. Y'all try to imagine this in your minds. It's a great story. Hundreds of dogs show up to celebrate a man's 100th birthday. This happened in San Jose, California. San Jose is a cool place. The residents of San Jose came together Sunday to celebrate the 100th birthday of a beloved local resident, Dr. Robert Moore, who was a professor-teacher. His daughter put out the word on something called the Nextdoor app, asking people to dress up their dogs and parade them in front of their house to help their dad celebrate this huge milestone of 100 years, 100 years old. So she was thinking that maybe 20 dogs would show up, make her dad happy, but the response was incredible. More than 200 dogs and their owners came over to wish this man a happy birthday. And Aww. the video is great. There were dogs in cowboy hats, tuxedos, puppies with disabilities, pulling carts, and doggies in classic cars. The line stretched all the way around the block and down the street. <laughs> oh. uh, his family joined around him at this time. He was out on his front porch or in his yard uh, being greeting all of these dogs. He petted every single one of them. You could see the man was greatly moved because he was known as the dog whisperer. This is a man who loved animals and who um, was, it was a big thing in his life to help dogs and, and care for dogs, and it was a, a powerful interest. It wasn't his career, but it was a powerful interest. And so he loved these dogs. She said, my father was so touched. He connected with every single dog that came to him. Every person brought their dog up to him to sit in their lap or to sit at his feet. She said it was so lovely. And, I mean, it's an awesome thing. People, uh, children wrote him cards. People brought gifts. One woman even brought a stuffed dog because she didn't have any dogs. She didn't have a dog. She didn't have a real dog. So she, she put this enormous <laughs> stuffed dog in a, in a baby carriage and took it uh, to give it to this elderly gentleman, 100-year-old man. I mean, you know, there's so much goodness in people. It just wants to bust out. It just really is aching to come out. People just really do want to love and be loved, and you give them a chance, and they will absolutely shower with it. There are so many beautiful indicators of our beautiful, beautiful hearts. If we could just quit looking in the wrong direction and quit listening to the wrong people and listen to those hearts and reach out to each other. So from my heart to each one of you, have a beautiful couple of weeks, everybody. Don't lose hope. Don't get discouraged. You call upon your inner self, and there is more light than the world can actually contain. 
It's right here. It's inside of us. The darkness is a distraction. And you just shine your light, like all these people I've talked to you about tonight have done. Um, wow. You can do it. We can do it. I love each and every one of you. Have a beautiful night, and thank you so much, Ariel. Talk to you next Earl. time. Bye-bye. Thanks so much, Anastasia. Very heartwarming stories. So um, let me get Lavendar's mic open and our guest, Susan Miller. Let me get your mic open. Okay. Hi. Ladies, can you, can you both hear me? Yes, yes. I can. Okay, great. Yes. Well, Lavendar, you lead off. Okay, thank you. So, Susan, I just read your bio, and I'm very impressed with all the things that you've been able to do with your website and how you started (laughs) at the very beginning of the Internet, and you have just built a wonderful, wonderful business. So, welcome. Thank you. I'm thrilled to be on your show. And I just enjoyed these stories that we just heard. (laughs) You know, when I heard about the Iglet and everything, in New York, it was a while ago. A little toddler was at the zoo, and I don't know how this happened, but the baby slipped out of the parent's arm, the mother's arms, and fell in the gorilla's pit, and the great big mama gorilla came over to the baby, and everyone was terrified, but she held the baby gently and carefully in her arms until the zookeeper could come, and she comforted the baby. And it tells you a lot about how we're all connected, you know. We are all connected. It was on the front page of every newspaper, you know. It was quite something. And it it at first looked so terrifying. And and yet the animal took care of that little child, you know. So good things happen. You know, my daughter, I have two daughters, and my older one said to me, the more you give away the more will come to you. I said, I believe that too, Chrissy. And, um, you know, we most of us don't have a lot to give other people, although I love what Oprah once said, give one person who really needs it $1,000, or if you can't afford that, less. But change their life. I tried it. it. It was amazing. I totally think she's right. But I also give to charities. You know how you get those little stickies in your mailbox of your name and address? <laughs> and yeah. I thought, well, they went through the trouble to do that for me. I should send them something. What I didn't realize is that they share your name. <laughs> so my mailbox has exploded. But the children's <laughs> charities are particularly close to my heart, the Shriners and the uh, St. Jude, because uh, I grew up in hospitals. I was born with a birth defect, and I was just months and months and months all through my, I would say before I was 20, I was just in the hospital constantly. Once I was in for 11 months straight, another time for eight months, another time for seven months. I mean, I was always in for long periods. So I'm particularly um, sensitive to little children who are in the hospital. You know, it's hard for me to watch, you know, when when they run the ads on TV. So we all have a favorite charity, and I think we should all give something. You know, if you can only give $5, if everybody just gave $5, imagine. (laughs) We all think that's too little. It's not too little. 
I give more than that, but you know, it depends on my month. <laughs> How am I doing? <laughs> some months I give more, some months I give less. But you know, um, I, and when I did that as my experiment that Chrissy told me to try, I had the best year I ever had. So I think there is balance in the universe, and goodness does come back to you. Energy attracts energy. I have always felt that. So um, I invite everybody to try it out. <laughs> I think you'll be pleasantly surprised. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay, so, so. Uh, I'm very I'm very interested in talking to you about some of the aspects that happened back when Saturn and Uranus and Jupiter were conjunct in Capricorn, and I'm I've been tracking that for some time, but I'd love to hear your take on it. Well, uh, what uh, do you remember when that happened? Um, which one you're talking about? Are you talking about 2020 when Jupiter yes, and Saturn met? Um, yes. That was um, no. Well, no, they met in Aquarius. They met at zero degrees Aquarius, um, and then it was moving back and forth that whole year. But I, I start my book called The Next 200 Years. Um, on a, a beautiful September night, it's 2019, I'm rushing to see two friends. One of them, it's her birthday, and we're going to give her a great dinner and have some fun because we do this, the three of us. And um, at the dinner, I tell them that something's coming in December that's going to change our lives just dramatically. And they said, well, what will trigger it? And I said, well, it's the meaning of Jupiter and Saturn. They only meet every 20 years. I imagine they sit at a table and they have dinner just like we do, <laughs> like two old <laughs> friends get together, and they map out what they will do for society because the sign they meet in and the element, fire, air, earth, or water, that they meet in matters. What's extraordinary is when you start studying these conjunctions is that for 200 years they've always met in Earth signs, which was Taurus, Virgo, Capricorn. Every 20 years. And they never went out of order. They never stepped on each other's toes. They would meet every 20 years. Not on the same day, but in that year. And what have we accomplished as society worldwide in those 20 years, well, we built roads, bridges, tunnels. We, um, we built cathedrals and skyscrapers. And we made the Industrial Revolution and the assembly line. And that changed the way we bought things and the way we lived. Um, you know, in the old days, if you wanted oatmeal, you'd go to the general store and the owner was hoping that the barrel came off the ship that day, <laughs> and he would put his little scooper in in the barrel and put the oatmeal in a little bag. And if you wanted a dress, he would show you the fabric, and you'd go home and sew the dress, tailor. Men pretty much had to go to a tailor. But we didn't have supermarkets. We didn't have department stores. We didn't have anything like that. And, well, earth signs are associated with shopping and things you can touch and feel. So we had that. And of course, when you have a revolution, there are always things that go wrong. Like we we found out the pollution from the smokestacks 
and and even in the streets we had to have better um, sanitation otherwise people would get sick so all kinds of laws had to be put together because people were coming to places that were advanced technologically and so they would become crowded and you would have to figure things out well the first time they met in Aquarius. Now, there was an aberration in 1980, and I will come back to that, but um, just put that aside for now. Whenever the universe is going to do something really big, it gives us a little preview, and then it steps back and goes 20 years later on, on the year 2000 and went back to Taurus. So I've meditated a lot about why it does that, but I'll I'll get to that in a minute. But when they met in Aquarius, that was going to announce a change. And because it was an air, air is very different than Earth. Air is about mobility and about communication. And it's not what you own. It isn't that my house is bigger than your house or my car is prettier than yours or I have a designer bag and you don't. No, none of that. It's what you know and what you contribute. And air likes to bait, likes a sounding board, likes to go back and forth. Uh, There are three air signs. Gemini, which is the sign of the reporter or the scribe, always sifting through to get the accuracy. Then there's um, Libra, which is associated with the law and debating. Loves the whole intellectual process of a case and getting to truth. It rules the scales, blind justice, and everything we believe in with justice. And then there's Aquarius. Aquarius takes their air sign and directs it into science and mathematics. And and also Aquarius loves to work in groups. Now it's funny, after those two planets met in December of 2020. The pandemic started earlier. Here in New York, we shut down in March. But Saturn and Jupiter were going in and out and in and out. And what were we doing? You know, they they retrograde back and forth. So you're getting previews and then it would go away and then come back. But what were we doing in 2020? We were doing very Aquarian things. We were all home on Zoom. We were wearing different clothes. They were much more relaxed because we weren't going to work. But, of course, if we were on Zoom, we would dress a little nicer. We were making our own food. We were thinking about, gee, this is probably healthier than takeout. (laughs) And some New York City houses were, were finding ways to have gardens on the roof. And, and and lowering the carbon print. And scientists were saying, wow, the Earth's crust is starting to heal because there's no air traffic. There's no very few automobiles on the street. And, um, and the vaccine was a very good example of working in groups because Pfizer's president, after they had announced that they had a vaccine, And remember, the first year we didn't have one. I didn't get mine until January of 21, you know, so we all had to wait. It was a little scary. I mean, in New York, we had all those refrigerated trucks of bodies 
people were dying. I mean, at terrific rates. But the, the CEO said, look what can be achieved when no one cares who gets the credit. That is a perfect definition of Aquarius. And here we had a critical need to develop medicine quickly. And usually when you're developing a vaccine, half the time is spent trying to get the money from investors. Well, that was cut down because the government was giving checks to Moderna and and Pfizer, so that wasn't a problem. But Pfizer and Moderna were working with other companies, Denmark, with with Britain, with with different companies, France. And we had all the tools, but we weren't using them. For example, not until the pandemic. Let's say there's a scientist in New Jersey working on a part of the vaccine because I had to split this into pieces. And let's say he, he had finished the first stage. He was going into the second stage. He didn't have to wait for the New England Journal of Medicine to be put on the newsstand or in his mailbox. We have Watson, IBM's machine, and up pops a white paper. He reads it. Oh, my goodness, there's a chap in of Denmark who's working on this. Oh my gosh, he's further ahead than me. I'm going to give him a call. Maybe we can work together. And there was a lot of that going on. And um, so people were saying, this is way faster. Well, it was faster because the communication was so good. And, um, you know, and that's so Aquarian. So we're looking at a very different future where um, where we want to make the world a better place, there will be a strong emphasis on humanitarian efforts to look at people who've been marginalized or overlooked or a lot of emphasis on medicine. Um, AI will help us with that um, because they can speed along. Uh, Some people feel that cancer could be solved with um, the introduction of AI. So, um, you know, now... I talked about the aberration, right? So I say, why does God do this? Why, what's, why does he do it? 20, um, every 20 years they meet in the same element, but then there's always that aberration right before, 40 years before it, it makes a permanent change. And uh, because next time when they meet, they're going to meet in Libra, and the time after that they're going to meet in Gemini, and they're just not going back to Earth. So I'm walking up Lexington, Madison, Park Avenue, thinking, 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 what is with this? I have to find a reason. And then it dawned on me. Babies born 40 years ago, well, now it's 43 years because we come a little far from, you know, come a few months from December 20th, 2020. Um, they're, they're grown up. When you get to 40, you do something that's very grown up. Some people have gotten married. Other people have had a baby. Other people may have written a book or started a business or bought their first house, which is a very grown up thing to do when you go through it. We all remember that. (laughs) (laughs) And, um, And those babies were 1980, plus or minus five years, so 1975 to 1985, have in their DNA the meeting of Jupiter and Saturn and Libra. That's what happened that year. So they already have air in them. They understand this in a way the rest of us don't. 
So they're going to hold our hand as we walk across the rickety bridge to the other side of the ravine. And they'll say, it's going to be fine. Stop worrying. It'll be different, and we all have to adjust, but we can do it, and they'll show us how. So that's my theory of why the universe has that little preview before they make the big jump to the new element. And we're going to be in air for the for the next 200 years. We're not going anywhere. We're going to stay in air so for the rest of our lives. But we're really lucky because most people live within that 200 years and never see the borders and never have an experience of something new and different. Concurrent to this, there's something else. <laughs> Pluto. I bet you've been watching him, right, Lavender? <laughs> uh, I'm sorry, Pluto. who did you? Who did you say? Um, I think Pluto. Pluto. See, Pluto, when he gets into a new sign, he doesn't waste any time. He announces his his uh, presence. And um, he had. Let's go back in time a little bit. Uh, He had been working on um, child trafficking and things of that sexual nature because he had been in Pluto before 1995. And I always imagine God saying, Pluto, I need to talk to you. You've been in, in, in Scorpio a long time. You've been cleaning things up. I need to talk to you. I have a new assignment for you. I said, oh, where am I going next? He said, in, in 1995, you're going into Sagittarius. There's this new thing I created called the Internet. <laughs> Although, you know, a lot of people took credit for it, but I think it was God. <laughs> he put the genius in people to create it. And uh, he said, I need you to bring the world closer together and to make people interested in the Internet. And that's the year I started Astrology Zone when Time, Inc. came to me and said, Susie, we have a feeling about you. I had a job. I, I had a different job. I was an agent for commercial photographers in the advertising field and loving it. But Timing said, come on our website, Pathfinder, before they got involved with AOL. And that was such an exciting time. People were talking about this new thing and where were to go. But, you know, when you had it on your desk top, I mean, you didn't have it on a a laptop yet, you'd have to have dial-up where, uh, uh, you know. And if they had any films at all, it was the size of a postage stamp and it would crash your computer. And I thought, gee, this is going to be hard. And they had a lot of trouble with e-commerce in the beginning um, because you don't realize when you're on the Internet, it's going from Dallas to Stockholm to Istanbul, over to Paris, back to Washington, D.C. I mean, it goes all over the place. And and the money kept falling out. And I thought, oh, this is hard. I don't know if they'll ever figure it out. They did. And, uh, and, and they didn't have any laws, so people were stealing my content and putting their name. And they were copying and pasting. But the readers were telling me. And we would send them a polite letter and saying, no, please don't do this, and they would stop. <laughs> but it was a very exciting time, even though there were problems. It was just delicious. And uh, I stayed with Timing for three years, and then I had nowhere to go because they were getting involved with AOL, and they said they're in charge of the Internet. 
Uh, but Apple made the introduction for me to InfoSeek, which became the Walt Disney Company within a month. And I managed to work with them and stay with them for three years until Michael Eisner felt they shouldn't be in the Internet business and stopped all the contracts. But by then, I had six years under my belt. My point is that when Pluto goes in a sign, he doesn't waste time showing you what he's working on and what he's developing. God called him back in 2008, said, you're doing great. He said, well, I don't want my work to go to waste. He said, don't worry about it. I'm sending Uranus and Neptune into Aquarius. They're going to take what you started and advance it. Don't worry about it. I have a more pressing problem. So where am I going? You're going to Capricorn. Okay, what's my job? Well, Capricorn is a big money sign. There are problems with the banking industry, not only in America, other places too. And they're taking advantage of poor people, giving them mortgages that they know they can't possibly keep up. People are losing their homes and their savings. I want you to straighten out the mortgage industry and the banking industry. Oh, well, how long will I stay in Capricorn? Until 2020, and then I'll move you into another sign. But come back. I'll I'll keep you up to date. <laughs> so Pluto worked on banking, and now he's moving into Aquarius. He went back to banking. He was in Aquarius earlier this year. Again, a little preview. But then I think God wanted him to mop up some problems. Remember, we had three banks fail. We can't have that. He said, will you straighten out, just do some cleanup here, and then I'll move you back to Aquarius in January of 2024, and you're staying for 20 years in Aquarius. So what a change, because it will, when Pluto comes back in January, formally announce the age of Aquarius. So, And we're going to see flying taxis and driverless cars and things we can't even imagine yet. But uh, and, and there are things that are scary. Uh, there are things about AI that I find very scary. But there are also good things I find about AI. But we have to have laws and we have to have a public forum, which is happening now in newspapers. The New York Times has a story about AI every single day, which is fascinating, every facet of it. And um, I don't feel it's ready for astrology. And... Um, or psychology, anything having to do with emotions and the heart. I don't think we're ready. I think it's great. Let's say you have a hardware store and you have to keep track of that inventory, those little nails and nuts and bolts. and It's a dream come true. Or if you're in medicine and you're trying to find a breakthrough or you're, or you're working on getting to Mars in, in science um, or, or studying sun flares, things like that, it's perfect. But I know I'm not ready to turn over my writing to the machine. Not yet, because he, he takes the machine, I almost call her her all the time, takes everything in the zeitgeist and puts it in the same cake batter. And, and that means wannabe astrologers and established accredited astrologers are all in the same cake batter. And, um, you know, I worked really hard to become accredited and I, I don't want to turn that over my training and my education and my experience. I want to use. So um, my column will always be written by me. 
and uh, and I have a new feature on my website. You can do your birth ch- birth uh, chart, and if you don't know your birth time, I have a link where you can find the original birth certificate. The CDC has a beautiful website, clear as a bell, and I found it by accident. Tells you how much to send them. Everything, you know, they should be about between fifteen and twenty-five dollars, something like that. Just I'm off the cuff. Not five dollars that you get from the DMV because those take off all the interesting information, like what time you were born or how long you were, how much you weighed, or what your father's middle name is. You know, things like that. It just wipes that off, and you get a computer copy. You want the handwritten copy by the nurse. But um, now everybody can do their chart for free on my website on astrologyzone.com. And and you get my interpretation. It tells you what does it mean that your moon is in Libra or Venus is in Pisces or Jupiter is in Scorpio. It will tell you what it means. And you'll feel good because every single chart is unique in this world. In time, space, and geography, there are no people who have exactly the same chart, not even twins, because astrology is so mathematical and every degree counts. So, you know, and astrology is ruled by Aquarius. All things little understood. We don't know why it works. We know it does. Black holes, wormholes, all kinds of things that we don't understand uh, are ruled by Aquarius. And so we may find out in the next 20 years a lot of things. So, so, let, so let me ask you about eclipses. Is there any uh, information that you could tell us about the eclipses that we've had just recently and the ones that are yeah. coming up? <laughs> Boy, the, um, we, eclipses occur in families of signs. Usually they stay about 18 to 24 months, sometimes a little bit longer than that. We have been feeling eclipses in Scorpio Taurus. Uh, since November 19th, 2019, I think it was. And they've been harsh because they're in fixed signs. And it's not just because they're in fixed signs, because they're making us change whether we want to change or not. (laughs) Um, The other planets circulating around, particularly Uranus and Taurus, has been at the wrong place at the wrong time. So looking back, November 8th last year was very tough. You could have felt it as early as January. Uh, I'm sorry, no, as early as October 8th or as late as December 8th. But you always get a plus or minus of one month. But November 8th was very tough. And then there was another one just a few months ago, May 5th which is a very, very hard eclipse. Now, we have two more that are coming. They're moving out of um, Taurus, Scorpio, and into Aries and Libra. We had one on the first one of that family on um, April 19th, which happened to be my daughter's birthday. <laughs> and uh, she, and she, her job ended. She worked for James Corden. She was the music producer. She did carpool karaoke, which we all love. You see it on YouTube. And he's going back to London. So all 200 people lost their job a week later. Eclipses tend to announce their intention very quickly. And that was her birthday. So, of course, if you have an eclipse on your birthday or very 
close to your birthday, you will feel it. Now, the next two are October 14th, which is a new moon, and October 28th, which is a full moon. The October 28th full moon, full moons tend to always be more emotional because they they mark endings. But this one is kind of nice because Jupiter is standing right next to the moon, protecting it. So I feel if you say, no, I can't take any more eclipses in Taurus, (laughs) don't be afraid of this one. You've already paid your dues. I think, I would say people born the last week in October really were hammered over the past two years, but you will find this one is easier to deal with and actually may bring nice things to culmination, things that you've worked toward. Uh, The October 14th is mixed, but it's um, it's a new moon, so it's in Libra. New moons are great because they open a new path. They give you opportunity. Uh, They tend to bring good news. I have an article on the front page of my website, Astrology Zone. If you just go to the home page and you go a little bit down, below what they call the fold, as if it were a newspaper. You go down, how to deal with eclipses. Um, You will see a really, um, well, I worked on this article, I'm proud of it, um, where I give, I think, 25 or 30 tips. And I number them. So if you're busy, you say, oh, I read up to number seven. Let me, uh, I'll continue this tonight after I feed the children. Whatever. And um, people have liked it. I also have an article on how to deal with Mercury retrograde. Right there, it's in the same little area. I also have it on my app, Astrology Zone Horoscopes. Uh, it's on the premium version. It's four ninety nine a month, four dollars and ninety nine a month. But that turns out to be like a dollar ten a week, which is less than a cup of coffee. So, um, and I, I share my revenue with Google and Apple. So I have to charge $5 a month. I try to keep everything as low as possible. I like to give free for the people who need it most, other people who may not have the money. So, um, But I, I've gotten awards with the app, so I think you will like it. But those eclipses really radically change your life. And, um, you know, those people at James Corden they knew they were going to lose their job because they were told an, a year earlier that he wasn't signing the contract. And they love him. And I've met him. He's great. And everybody stayed. Nobody changed jobs. They all wanted to support him till the very end. Diana's found a new job, but she can't start because there's a writer's con, uh, uh, strike going on right now. Uh, so uh, she's starting but not getting salary, you know, which is fine. She's not a writer, so it's it's okay, but, you know, that's how it works. But um, it'll, it'll so, all work out. Yeah. Susan, let me let me ask you, Susan, uh, have you seen anything about when the strike could end? Is there an astrological timer well, for know, this? I have a theory. Some people are saying it could go to October or December. I don't think so. I think there could be a breakthrough in September because September is ruled by Virgo, and Virgo rules writing. And Mercury will retrograde um, in August. So they may run into some problems with some of the clauses. But it goes direct on um, September 15th. 
And there's a new moon, not an eclipse, but a a very good new moon on September 14th. And I don't know, because of the juxtaposition of that, I think shortly after that there may be a breakthrough. I really hope so, because it's it's hard on people when there are strikes. It's it's hard. There was a rumor that the um, actors were going to go out, but I think they ratified um, their their contracts. You know, they don't tell us much on the East Coast. <laughs> and I do get the Los Angeles Times, but I have to look. <laughs> but my theory is September there should be some breakthroughs because writing is ruled by Mercury. Mercury is communication. So I think we've got a good chance. And also the show starts, now that I think about it, in September, or else we're going to be doomed to game shows, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh boy! If you look at TV now, if if you're not, if you don't have cable, and I tend to be a network person, I do have cable, but um, it's uh, it's it's uh, it, it it's a lot of game shows, not at all what I was hoping for. <laughs> yeah, right. Right. <laughs> But we so have to go on to, uh, you know, cable. And I have it. It's just switching over from HAM, HMI 1 to HMI 3. And, I mean, it's, uh, you know, I'm, I'm writing usually, so I don't want to go through all these processes. Right? <laughs> so, Susan, let me ask you about the economy. I know that Ray Merriman, who is an astrologer that I really respect, he has a oh, lot I to like say Ray. about I know me. him. Yes. Mm-hmm. What did he say? So what do you have to say about the economy and what's happening? I think it's strong. I think um, the media has been um, banging that war drum unnecessarily. When Jupiter and Pluto met in 2020 in the early part of the year, three times during the year, I think April was the first time, then they met again on on June 14th, and then they met one more time, and I don't remember the date, but... um, I was really excited about the year 2020. I said, oh, my gosh, that's a signature of success, Jupiter-Pluto, in conjunction. And a conjunction starts a cycle. And, you know, and just imagine a clock with two hands on 12. Just great. But uh, there was trillions of dollars (laughs) floating in our economy. They were stimulus checks, which I didn't ever think was the way this was going to work out. But, of course, I didn't know the pandemic was coming, and I didn't know that governments give out stimulus checks. I mean, I had never lived through this before. <laughs> and, um, you know, uh, so but it was. The money was flowing, trillions. But then Jupiter and Pluto made a square, and they were mad at each other in May, May 17th to be exact. Before May 17th, I said, oh, we're going to have to tweak what we did in 2020. There has to be an adjustment. Turned on the TV. What was happening that week, that whole week of May 17th, before and after, plus or minus? Kevin McCarthy from the Republicans was meeting with President Biden, and they agreed on some tweaks, some changes to the budget. That's exactly what we were supposed to do. Now, 
they Jupiter and Pluto won't be friendly again until June 2nd next year. But that's only a year away. That's not like 10 years from now. It's next year. They're going to make a beautiful trine. And I feel um, I feel the economy will be good. There's a little wobble in the second half of 2024. But I am optimistic and I think we're strong. And I think the, the workforce is strong. I know the Fed's keep raising the interest rates so that we'll stop spending so much because people put a lot in savings. They have the money when the pandemic has finally alleviated and is mostly over. People were traveling and spending money and they were hoping that we would stop and interest rates have gone up, mortgages have gone up and they are hoping some people will lose their jobs. They're saying the unemployment rate is actually too low. They would like to see it come up a little bit, uh, which is hard to hear because I, I hate to hear that people would be out of work. But that's what that's what the you know that is the the way that you tame an economy. And uh, I'm optimistic. I think next year we're looking at a good year. And um, does Ray agree? I haven't. I know Ray Merriman. He's uh, very sweet. Uh, did he agree with me? <laughs> What did he yes, say? Somewhat. Yes, somewhat. Yes, yes, somewhat. I met him in Las Vegas back in 1977 when he first came out with his first book called Evolutionary Astrology. And uh-huh. I'm so glad that I have that copy now because it's certainly out of print. And uh, what he, he said in 1977 very nice is happening now. <laughs> yeah. He, oh, really? He predicted that in his book? Oh, that's really interesting. Oh, that's yeah, great. Evolutionary Astrology that was written in 77 is now happening. Yeah. Wow. wow. Well, that's, we'll have to look at that. Yes. It's, wow. very, it's, yes. it's very hard to find. If someone can find find it, they're they're lucky because not many of them were printed. And I do okay. have a copy of it. So it, it's, oh, uh, it's something great. to really treasure. I'm looking at wow. the time, and, and I'd like to pass you over to my co-host, Ariel, at this time. I am so fascinated by this information that you have given me because I, too, have been tracking these kids that were born after 1980. And I have ah. a whole story about that, and 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 part ah. of it you can see on the website. Yeah, I have been very devoted to tracking the kids that were born after 1980 that had the the star markings of 25, 26, and 27 degrees. And I have been researching ah. it, working with this for 40 years, and I'm getting ready to release this information now to the world. How wonderful. Well, you know, after seeing what's happened to the world and all the climate change, I'm beginning to think that the Aztecs were right, you know, about because 2012 seems to be the demarcation line when we began to see really bad weather and the melting of the ice in, you know, in, in, in Antarctica and so forth. I I think they were warning us, and I think they were right. You know, but but you know what we I found about yeah, but Susan, you know what I personally found out about 2012? It wasn't the things that everybody was talking about. There was an unseen, underneath the cover movement that was happening with bloodlines on the planet, and the star seeds started rising at that time. People were moving, people were marrying, people were having children, changing jobs, relocation. It was a mass undertaking on this planet and it was silent and nobody was tracking it wow 
Yeah. But well, I, I didn't tracking. hear anything about that. Well, no, you of were, thank goodness. <laughs> I, was I was tracking it oh. the whole time. Yeah. And now you know I what, think we're in... You're pro- what you're proving is the world is a laboratory, and we must Absolutely. observe and write things down and do empirical research. Yes. And I also found that these markings showed us the genius in the chart. Really? Oh, wow. Yes. Yeah. Oh, this is interesting. So wow. sometimes I could be on a desert like... island with you for days and never be bored, <laughs> ever. If you, like, <laughs> if you would like to have a private conversation with me about that, about this, I would love to have it with you sometime. Okay. And sure. I don't really talk to people on the phone, so I'm really giving you a, a heads up on how I operate. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> we'll make so that I would like to pass you over to my co-host, Ariel. And she is the one that is now taking our website, and she's the one that's going to be teaching these starseed codes to people that are astrologers that want to take this further. She's putting together a program, and we'll be announcing it probably in the next few weeks. Ah, so back, very nice. So back, you, so back to you, Arielle and Susan. I hope to talk to you soon. Okay, bye-bye. Thank you. Okay. Hi, Arielle. Hello. Hi. Well, I, I would like to um, say that it's going to be more than a few weeks <laughs> because this is a massive undertaking. <laughs> Everything but, takes longer than it but, should. You know, That's what we all find out when we make an app or write a book or <laughs> whatever we're doing. Yeah. It always takes a little longer. Yeah, yeah. well, um, we we have the information. We just have to design the way to release it and um yes. and and do it you know with integrity um because it is um you know lavender's life work um and you could oh. i mean if you cared to you could go on the website um starseedhotline.com and and mm-hmm. read about the discovery of star markings which is what um you know lavender has done and it it reveals that the genius in a chart and the star markings of star seeds so, um, Does everybody have the seeds somewhere in their chart, or some people don't? No, no, some people don't. Um, mm-hmm. there, there are people that can have them that they're not awake yet, but there are also people who could have just been born at that particular time, but not on that particular mission. Um, okay. A case in point that I, I will I will quote from um, from Lavender's. Um, article on this on our website uh but very interesting and i think you'll find this fascinating um way back i mean uh, i don't even remember the year but i'm going to say maybe in the 80s sometime um lavendar was um i'll I'll give you the abridged version so we can have you talk (laughs) yeah but she um had someone say, you have to come to this lecture tonight. I don't want to go. No, you have to come. And this guy, his name was Roy Tate, and he had a book, a study on genius in astrology. And he had studied the charts of 427 Nobel Prize winners. And and now Lavendar had been years developing her, you know, say compendium of star markings and what they mean and how to interpret them, but Roy allowed her to look at all these charts, and they so they, they spent like a whole night, and she's looking at chart after chart after chart, and what she found out 
was that the no, out of 427, 400 of these Nobel Prize winners were born with planets at galactic degree, which would be 25, 26, 27. They received their award with planets at galactic degree, and they transitioned out of this life with planets at galactic degree. And when when you hear Lavendar tell the story, it's like she was like, uh, uh, I don't know, comatose after that information. She just had to go lie down for three days to, uh, you know, absorb it, assimilate it, <laughs> because it was actually um, reinforcing the, the her own discovery years prior. And here's someone else that was studying, only he didn't have that piece. He was just looking for the, the genius in astrology and for those patterns. But, yeah, fascinating, fascinating. You know, there's one thing I'd like to say. When you study yeah. the glyphs in astrology, um, the sun, which is our sun sign, our birthday sign, is depicted as a circle with a dot in the middle. So I was studying the glyphs and how they came to be, and the dot, the ancients said, is the divine spark within. And all have a piece of God, little chip that we can make bigger. It's up to us to find it and to make our contribution to the world. And that, isn't it nice to know we have this little piece of God oh. that we can enlarge and work on? I think that's so important. Of course. It's the, the, it, yeah, that divine spark, um, you know, you can fan the flame and grow it. Yes. You know, it, it's, and exactly. you have you know, the free will to do that. Yes. Yes, astrology so, is not predestination. You have to partner with the universe. Yes, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Well, this has been yeah, such it, an it interesting is, conversation. Wow. Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, it is, you know, I'm sure, I mean, you look at patterns, um, mm-hmm. aspects, um, and, you know, and the frequencies, uh, and mm-hmm. there is... Um, there is a way to kind of like put it all together. It takes a long time and a lot of study, which you've obviously done. But yeah, mm-hmm. understanding the, you know, the planetary energies. And I love what you wrote um, on your on your website about um, because we we did the same thing um, when that that news came out. I think like around 2010 that. Oh, astrology's changing now. There's 13 signs. <laughs> like what? Oh no, no, no! Yeah. There are yeah. 88 different constellations. Why didn't they know that? And the ancients picked 12 and incorporated, like for example, Cancer. Cancer's the little crab, but right above him is the little bear. And the bear eats a lot, but the crab doesn't eat much at all. But Cancer rules food. It rules the stomach. It incorporated the little bear into the crab. The two constellations are next to each other. And Ophesius is part of Scorpio, part of the Scorpion. I mean, if I, I write about it and, and make it easy to understand, I hope. I tried hard for that. And, uh, yeah, I mean, the, the newspapers come out and say, oh, the astrologers are lying to you. We would never do that. And they don't <laughs> yeah. know science. Oh, we do know science. We're supposed to know science if we're ever going to get anything right. You know, so, oh, well, 
know? Yeah. But well, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I I've, I've, I basically, you know, just like because people were like, "Oh no, am I am I no longer, you know, whatever am sign you were Leo born with?" Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I said, "Well, no, you know, that's, that's the precession of the equinox." But it's a circle, and it will come back to the way it was. That's why we don't change it. But in India, they do with Vedic astrology. They move everything one degree every 72 years, but we don't because it'll come back to where it was eventually. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, again, it's, okay. it's, it's a cycle. Yeah. Like you said, everything is yeah. a cycle. But, um, you know, I, yeah. I just... I had the same um, opinion as you did uh, about that. <laughs> like, you know what? I'm in Aries, and no one's going to tell me I'm not. And that was just kind of my little joke because, oh yeah, you know, you know, it's based on solstices, equinoxes, and that's you know that's a natural timing. So unless yes, unless and you know, Mother the, Nature decides. Uh, the, the seasons. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you have to have twelve signs because you have to have four elements and and you know the cardinal fixed and mutable the the um the you know the triplicies so it's you know the scientists poo poo astrology which would be okay if they studied it but they don't study it they say it's counterintuitive well i agree it is counterintuitive there's no astrologer i know that believes in astrology before he or she studies it <laughs> right. So, um, you know. Right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, and it's. I mean, it's uncanny um, how how accurate if you have either the right person um, interpreting for you, or if you take the time to study and learn for yourself. Um, yes. But it's it's extremely extremely accurate because one of my favorite lavender sayings is that. Energy doesn't lie. Only people do. <laughs> That's an interesting quote. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, frequency, energy, yeah. everything is about frequency and energy. And, and yes. there's no subterfuge there. It is what it is. And it's only people that try to, you know, change it into something. And and I don't think Pluto <laughs> actually cared that he was demoted. Didn't change his world <laughs> one oh, little bit. <laughs> He is a dwarf planet, but he's still a planet just because he's a little guy. I mean, there's lots yeah. of us who are little. Well, yeah, you know, I'm not you can, tall. You can, me either. So yeah, I mean, a rose by yeah. any other name, he's still Which Pluto. Is saying. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Now, we know Pluto is extremely powerful in astrology. We would never discount him. You know, they're thinking of making. I think seriously. A planet now. I read it in the New York Times. Seriously? It's so big. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, one of the asteroids is so close to being um, acknowledged as a planet now. And we've always known about them in their chart, but we don't talk. I don't talk about them because I write for a, a mass market across the whole world. 52% of my readers are outside the U.S. So... I just stick to the board of directors, the planets we all know, because they have a yeah. very big effect. But also, yeah. I mean, it's interesting to look at some of the asteroids and see what they're doing. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, well, yeah, we, we we did the same thing. I mean, we work with Chiron and Athena yeah. Palace, uh, and that's it. Yeah. But only because of their involvement with, um, you know, star seeds and their missions. So yeah. um, I was I was just going to ask you a question, and it fell out of my brain. Um, oh. <laughs> I, I, I'm just I'm just so excited to be talking to you. You know, you've really um, you've really I know you've helped a lot of people, and and what you Aww. said about you know when you talk to people who, I mean, most people astrology is a huge mystery, like like cryptic you know, reading Greek or, or Chinese or something. Yeah. And, and, and the way you, you personify the planet, you know, like, like, you know, these two guys get together and they're talking, that just makes it so much easier for people to understand. Um, and so I, you know, I really, really appreciate that you, you speak to seven. It takes me seven hours to write each sign each month. And the first two signs, Aries and, and Taurus, take much longer because I'm still memorizing what's going on that month. So wow. It's, um, That's a lot of dedication. The chart, what are you trying to tell me? You know, what code, what are you trying to say to me? And I, I really work on it. And if I don't, I, if I'm not ready to to um, wire it to my editor, I don't. I employ five editors because, of course, I'm writing dailies, too. My dailies are 80 words long if you buy the premium version for $5 a month. And, um, you know, I put a lot. (laughs) But it's a labor of love. Absolutely. Than anything else. (laughs) Yeah, and... um, I also uh, um, Donna wanted me to mention that your um, legendary astrological year ahead calendar um, are now oh, discounted. Oh, I have to send one to each of you, and you better send me your addresses because I know you're spread out. Well, I will get oh. them to the post office tomorrow. <laughs> oh, excellent! Oh, great! Yeah, we'd love it. to see yeah. that. Yeah, I mean we we do. I mean we use. Um, astrological uh, astrological calendars that you know because we need to know when the moon's void of course and you know um, oh because... well you need my my app moon void of course is something that astrologers have used forever but lay people don't know about it it sounds like a disease void of course so I had to soften it and say it's when the moon gets tired meeting with the other planet she has She's the fastest moving body in our solar system. And she has to greet every one of them plus the sun. So that's nine uh, heavenly bodies. And she may be friendly with them or she may be debating them or in conflict. It doesn't matter. As long as she's engaged with the planet, everything's good. But when she has met them all, she retires to her little boudoir takes off her long white gown and her long white gloves and takes a nap. And that's when moon's void, of course. And nothing works out. It's like a mercury retrograde. I don't want anybody getting married or getting engaged or um, closing on a house or having a big job interview when the moon is void. Most of the time it will cancel anyway. (laughs) But, you know, and people are really liking how easy... $8. You never have to buy another one. I have it to the year 2050. 
every day until 2050. And you'll know wow. where the moon is that day. You'll know if it's void. And if it is, what time it's void. Sometimes it's just an hour. Sometimes it's the whole day. All, all day, yeah. <laughs> but it gives you right to the minute. And I have GPS built in both my apps so that you'll always get accurate information. If you go to Paris, it will follow you. <laughs> so oh, cool. It's, it was really so, fun And those to are both, both on, on the, the Apple, Apple App Store and Google, and Google Play. Yeah. And it's your Pages by Susan Miller. You, if you put in Susan Miller, both my app places. Okay. But Moonlight and, Phases and Astrology Zone Horoscopes, yes. Okay, and your um, your your latest book, The Next 200 Years, is on Amazon <laughs> Kindle and BookBaby. And so, BookBaby.com, um, and you don't even need advice. If you're a Luddite and you say, I don't have a tablet, I don't have a smartphone, I don't want to do any of that, you can get a PDF. They'll send it to you. And it's, oh, cool. Uh, it's very inexpensive. I think it's five dollars for the book. Yeah. So, yeah. That's great. Yeah. Well, we've been yeah. we've been trying to teach people for years to follow their own transits because you know if you've got something important you want to do, you have to know. So this would be a good way for people to do that if they if they won't don't want to learn how to do it for themselves. So you've yeah. got the astrological and, and- calendar. You've got two apps. You've got this new book coming out. You are one busy lady. <laughs> the calendar takes five months to and I have beautiful art. Uh, if anyone's come to New York and remembers Henry Bendel's, they had hired this artist who I adore. And did you ever call someone and hang up the phone because you were getting scared? And you dial again and you hang up the phone and you're just like, oh, he'll never work with me. But finally the third time, I was calling his agent. He says, of course we'll work with you. Of course we will. We all have your app. No, this will be fun. <laughs> oh, cool. So we oh, can work together. He is expensive, but he's worth every penny, and he's French. He says, oh, Suzanne, let's do something great. You know, and he's really fun <laughs> to work with. <laughs> so, thank you. Well, is, yes, it's right on the is... front page of my website. And we have all ethnicities. You know, we have uh, Latina and, and, and white girls and black girls and, and all beautiful girls all the way through. We know men don't buy paper calendars. They buy apps. But women love paper. Do you know what Barnes & Noble t- told me when I worked with them? Women purchase 80% of their books. So we are inquisitive people. Well, some of them are buying them for their husbands, but women go to bookstores. So I found I could have some fun with my calendar and make it more feminine, but my apps are dual, you know, for men. So oh, no yeah, man would yeah. ever feel he's in a, a room with girls and it's pink. You know what I mean? But my calendar oh, yeah. I have a little bit more fun with. <laughs> yeah. Well, so, yeah. What, what do you think about um, the effects of having Venus be behind the sun? Well, the aspects talked about that oh well is that when it's retrograde is that or when is that uh, happening well it, it's it's now um venus That's right is, now you know like i don't well, I, I, hang on a second well, I just she's going to retrograde chart. from the 22nd until um until the day before labor day uh july 22nd until september 3rd and 
I don't want anybody having plastic surgery or Botox or fillers or cutting their hair and into a whole new style, going from brunette to platinum blonde. Just trims are fine. We don't want anybody walking around like a little ragamuffin. But, you know, don't do something dramatic when Venus is retrograde because Venus rules beauty, love, and so forth. If you're having a little trouble with your partner, it's not the end of the world. He's probably going through something and just just leave it alone. Just don't don't over dramatize it. It'll be fine. You know. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think we're we're seeing uh, a uh, an empowerment of the feminine on the planet, and yes. uh, and coming more to balance, really, because yes. we were you know I mean we're we're a system of duality, but. <laughs> but the but the the feminine was kind of in the back seat, and, oh, and I when think I was women little, are little. You never saw a woman newscaster. You know, women. You know, you couldn't run for president. Or my mother even told me, no. I mean, you have to be Protestant to be a president. I'm like, what? <laughs> she said, well, it's how it's worked out, but. Uh, and then when John F. Kennedy ran and he was Catholic, everybody was making a big deal over it. And I thought, this is weird. And I'm little thinking this, you know. Well, yeah. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, no, things like, are better. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we, we want to uh, to have more unity regardless, uh, you know, it's not yeah. us and them or, you know, Catholic and Protestant no. or other religions, yeah. It you know, yeah. Everybody has to get along with everybody else. Now, what do you think about um, uh, on February 10th of 2021 when we had um, six planets and an asteroid in Aquarius, including Jupiter and Saturn? I think a, a genius was probably born at that time that that would grow up to make amazing um, breakthroughs. That child would be very advanced in science and math and um, those disciplines, I feel. Well, you know, there was something like that. I think it was 1962. My mother would talk about it. She said, back 1962, you have to watch for people. I think they may have been born in, nine, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure, but there was a buildup of planets. Do you remember on May 5th, the year 2000, um, and of course, it was the new millennial. Um, there were seven planets in Taurus, and I remember I was on TV on CNN with Dr. Horkheimer from the JPL, <laughs> and Paula Zahn was the newscast. We were all split screen. We were in different places, and Dr. Horkheimer said there will never be seven planets again lined up. There'll be six but there won't be seven in our lifetime. And I remember him saying that. So that was interesting. Um, yeah. Now, on that day, I was wondering if there's earthquakes because I'm looking at Earth, you know, Taurus, and Uranus was square, all those planets. Uranus was having a tantrum. And I should have been looking at Uranus as the perpetrator. 
because what happened immediately on that day was the love bug went around the world and infected every computer, mainly PCs, not Macs, but it went around the world and caused havoc. So now I know you have to look at the perpetrator, not the buildup of planets on one side. So I have to look at February 2021 and see, well, was Uranus square then too? <laughs> I don't know. I'd have to go back in, and in look tar- at the Taurus. in Taurus um, at seven yeah. degrees. Yeah. So it yeah, must it was- have been square. So, and that is just yeah. the flip because in, in 2020, or 2000, the year 2000, he was in Aquarius. And the other ones were in Taurus, and then it flipped. Now he yeah, is in interesting. Taurus. Isn't that funny? Yeah, you yeah. see that a lot, actually. You see that. You see it in 1966 with the Pisces Virgo. Uh, there was a lot of tug of war. Well, that was during social change, and that's when women got so many of their rights. And there were demonstrations, mm-hmm. but there was also demonstrations against the Vietnam War. It was a tumultuous time, and 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 the chart showed it. There was this push-pull between two factions, you know, and we haven't mm-hmm. seen anything quite like that except when George Floyd died and you saw people take to the streets and say, wait, we have to have kindness in, in, in our law enforcement. We can't do this anymore, you know, and, um, and that was an eclipse. The day he died, I think it was June 5th, it could have been the 10th, somewhere in there, uh, the, the eclipse was in Sagittarius, Truth and Justice, and worldwide, international, everybody was watching that. So when something happens on an eclipse, it sticks. June 6th, uh, January 6th, so, you know, we're having all the Senate hearings. The year before... January 6th, we had an eclipse on the 4th of July. And I thought, oh, boy, I do not like an eclipse on the 4th of July. Because every 19 years, we have an eclipse on the same sign, the same, you know, degree. And in 2001, we had it. And in September, we had 9-11. And the reason it didn't happen in July is Mars or Saturn has to go over those degrees and um, and kind of opens the scab in the sky that the eclipse caused. I think of little Mars with his his pick, like he's a little fireman, opens the scab in the sky, and it, it hurts, and and it brought on 9/11. And what eclipses do do is show us our weakness, something we had just had not considered or need a law or need to figure out something. Well, then we had another eclipse recently, and I thought, I don't like this either. Gosh, I can't take another 9-11. Now, I looked on that day, nothing happened. Then I looked to see where Mars and Saturn were, because those are the two that you really have to watch. They have to either go over the same degree or opposite the same degree. They were too far away. So I said, well, there's only one other qualifier. That's the sun. So I have to watch June, uh, January 4th, plus or minus four days. And that's January 6th. It was caused by that eclipse. When there's an eclipse, 
it will not be erased. It will not go away. It will not be denied. You cannot sweep it under the rug. An eclipse forces change. It is non-negotiable. Any eclipse in our life, I always say to my readers, if you lose your job on your eclipse, save your dignity. Don't beg your boss to take you back or anything. It's not going to happen. It's time to move forward. It's time to move on. It's time to learn from the eclipse. And, and, and you may have done nothing. It may have been that the, the company was running out of money. I mean, it isn't necessarily your fault. But you have to learn from everything that happens on an eclipse, and it is non-negotiable. You can never go backwards. So that they will have some kind of uh, restitution on that whole nightmare that happened. I couldn't believe my eyes when I was looking at television that day. I, I saw it. So, you know, they'll come to the right answer, you know, eventually. Yeah. I believe in our system, you know. <laughs> so anyway. Yeah, well, there, I mean, there is, there is a, um, a natural order of balance in the universe, Yes. And even if things get really, really yes. cockeyed, it's part of the process to bring balance because it's. We're, I and mean, we want it immediately, but sometimes it takes a little time to get well, there. Yeah. But it will. <laughs> yeah. 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 It, it yeah. will. I agree with you totally. Yes. Yes. Gosh. Well, oh, gosh. it has just been such a delight to have you on our show this evening, and oh, thank um, you. <laughs> I, I'm I'm really I'm looking forward to to seeing. Um, uh, your your work here with the with with the calendar. Um, oh, so I'll we'll, send you the new one too. But first, I'll send you this year. And you know, I give everybody January because who has time to buy a calendar? December. December is just such a hard month for most of us. So I give my readers January the calendar because you may have a dentist appointment in the early January. You got to write it down. And it's yeah. a wall calendar. It's so pretty. Uh, and to make you happy and cheerful every time you look at it and it has all my predictions on the important days of every month. You look in the grid and you'll get an idea of what's going on in English. I give the aspect and the degree, but I I write for normal people. So you'll understand that there are no riddles. You will understand it. You know, hopefully, <laughs> right, <laughs> right. <laughs> um, well, don't forget I'm, to I'm send so me all your addresses. <laughs> I will do that. I will do that. And once more, um, for our listeners, your website is astrologyzone.com, and right. you have astrology zone horoscopes and moonlight mm-hmm. phases on the uh, Apple Store mm-hmm. and Google Play, and also mm-hmm. your your book, The Next 200 Years, on um, Amazon Kindle and bookbaby.com. So yes. please, um, yeah, keep up the good work. And, and oh, you know, you. I, I so appreciate people that have, a you know, a broader view of what's going on because most people have their nose to the ground and they miss <laughs> It's like, oh, well, wow, life you, is hard. <laughs> did you see that comment? No, I was too busy, you know, um, balancing my checkbook. Uh, so, yeah, it's good to keep to keep your eyes on the sky. <laughs> yes. Oh, I agree. Okay. Thank you so well, much, and we should stay in touch. <laughs> yeah, we should. Thank you so much, Susan. It's been a joy to have you with Thank us you. this evening. Thank so, you. So, take care. Okay. Okay, you too. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. So we will be back um, two weeks from tonight. And please take care of yourselves. Remember 
to hold gratitude in your heart and give compassion instead of judgment. Good night, everyone. You've been listening to Starseed Radio Academy. Visit our website at www.starseedhotline.com. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.